And what I did last week, if you were not here and you're like, what is going on? I invited several couples to come up and we may need more chairs and that's totally okay. And Ariana and Adrian, I hope that you guys know you have a to totally invited to come up here and be a part of this. Um, you weren't here last week, so I couldn't give you an invite, but you're more than welcome to come up here. You, you've earned a spot at the, in this panel for sure. All right. We have enough chairs. Hey. And every one of these people, when I gave them the invitation, they said pretty much the same thing. Uh, we don't know if we have any wisdom to share. Do we have enough chairs? Okay, we got one extra. So we're going to have two microphones. And the way this is going to work is the youth and a lot of the kids throughout the week sent me several questions to ask this panel of people who've been married for a long time. And I'm going to ask them these questions. They don't know these questions in advance. They have no idea. And we're going to keep each answer to about five minutes. So that gives everybody a chance to kind of chime in. And you don't have to answer. Not everybody here has to talk. It's okay if you don't talk at all during this entire thing. But um, what I like to do is try to, I want to get through as many of these questions as possible. But at the same time, we have to balance time and getting everybody a chance to share a little bit. There should be two microphones. Howard's holding one. Oh, we got three. Oh, we got four. Awesome, awesome. So just pass these around. If you want to answer one of the questions, just kind of nudge the person that's holding the microphone or just reach forward or whatever, and we'll do that. But guys, let me give you a little bit of microphone how-to. When you're talking into a microphone, it's important you hold it about equal with your chin. Okay, if you hold it lower down here, a lot of people, they hold it down here, it's going to sound too distant. Hold it about with your, with your chin right there. And that way everybody can hear you and it can pick, it, pick you up really well, okay? So these guys are our mentors and they are here because they've weathered storms as a couple. And we want to know about those storms and know about how they weathered them. So I'm going to go through some of these questions. It was interesting to me how some of the questions that got submitted, uh, I had about four of them that were identical to each other. And... Uh, Chris just sent me his questions from for Alana. I got it. I just saw your text. <laughs> Let me ask you the question that was asked by most of the kids. And there was about four kids that asked this identical question. And it goes like this. How did you know that you found the one? So any of you can answer this. We'll take about five minutes. And explain how did you know, or did you even know that you found the one? Go. Make sure you just clicked on there. There we go. Okay, I'll, I'll start it off. Uh, I don't. I don't know that I really realized any particular moment. You know, Jackie and I, we dated for three years before we got married. So. We, we sort of got to know each other a little bit, <laughs> uh, but the knowing process is it never ends, you know, so. Mm. Uh, but the main thing you have to be concerned with, make sure that when you make that decision, you got to live with it, so, <laughs> you know, so. But your living has been Yeah, okay, great. You Jack, Jack, Jackie. <laughs> How did you know Howard was the one? <laughs> we were in high school, so at that point, you're very much just find someone that you enjoy being around that's cute, and <laughs> you're not thinking 50 years later. <laughs> you're saying he's not cute 50 years yes, later? Yes, <laughs> Very different, as you can see from the pictures. Um, he's handsome now. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I have something hanging in my house, and it says, uh, choose the one that you love and love the one that you choose. And so. Very good. Very good. Anybody else want to chime in on that? I will. Carol, go ahead. Uh, I had been married before for 23 years, and uh, I drank when I chose my first husband. So I didn't do such a great job. And so when God told me he was going to marry me again, I was in my late 40s. And I told him, I said, my picker's broke. You've got to do the picking because I don't, can't 
So I think the most important thing is, is ask God, who do you want me to marry? Because he will choose what you need and that person will be what he needs. Uh, each of you will complete the other. And uh, I, I talk to friends and I ask them about like what we're doing right now. And I made a list of the things that I wanted from my potential husband. I had 33 of them, I believe. 33 and potential husbands or? No. Okay. The things right. I wanted from my potential husband, my yeah. marriage. Wow. And Lindsay answered, that was his name, almost every one of them. Wow. He even had hair and he was eight and a half years older than me. <laughs> so he was 58 and a half. Interesting. So well, what I would say is let God choose, not you. Before, before Mike chimes in here, I think it's, it's neat that you made the list because I know of other people in our midst that made lists as well, actually wrote down lists. So these are the criteria of a good godly husband that I'm praying for. Yes. And these are some deal breakers. And so I, it's interesting. I didn't do that, but it seems like when people do that, it seems like God answers those prayers. So it's interesting. Um, and then you're not swayed by emotions and affection. You're, you're, you can look at that list objectively and say, does he meet all these criteria? Or does right. she meet all these criteria? And it sounds really archaic or mean or judgmental, but it's very, very wise, I think. But Mike, did you want to chime in? Yeah, before we got married, I would be doing dishes, hanging out, laundry, you know, those things. And that's when I would pray for a wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> And God finally, after the third time, he says, you're not asking for a wife, you're asking for a mate, and you can't afford one, so mm. do you ever, So then I let him bring Edith into my life, and at that point, I'll be honest, I wasn't looking to get married anymore after that. Mm. And so, because we had the same interests, that was part of it, but according to the list, you know, I would make a list, of course, and then God would say, well, which one of those on that list do you meet? Can you meet those lists wow. too? You know, it's not so much what their qualities are, but do you match the list as well? Yeah. So you got to make sure when we make lists, are we up to, God, yeah. you know, hey. And so that's what we did. And then, you know, we went to prison together. That's where we dated was in prison ministry. So. Oh, ministry. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> I heard that we went to prison together. I thought, I'm messing with you. <laughs> yeah, when we do tell people we meet in jail, we wait for the look. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I knew you guys met doing prison ministry. That's awesome. And that's a really good example of you're doing the things that God has called you to do. You're being obedient to his calling. You're serving. And then you're like, wow, I guess this, you just run into each other. And you know that you can continue in that calling together because you've already been doing it independently. That's a really neat. So, yeah. Edith, did you have something to add real quick? Okay. I was divorced, and after about eight years, I said, God, I'd like to get married again. And so um, I went to a church where they had singles, you know, uh, looking for each other type of thing. And then I walked away from that, and I said, nope, I'm not going to do that. And then I sat at the computer one day, and I said, nope, not going to do that. God, you know where this person is. So when I went to the jail, local jail, every Friday night. And then Friday night, Mike was the teacher, and I thought, where did he come from? <laughs> because I had never seen him before, and um, I found out later that um, he did come every Friday night. He lived about four hours away, and um, we were invited at that time to go to Uganda to go to prisons, and um, I went to the meeting because I told the chaplain I'm going to go to uh, another country wherever you go. And when Mike showed up at the meeting, I went, oh no, I want to go to Uganda. I don't want to, I, when I saw him teaching, I said, I want a guy like that, but I can't go to Uganda if he goes. But after about three times of the group meeting, I said, I'm going to go. So we got acquainted in Uganda. Wow. We were there about three weeks and I spotted him and I kept track of him. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, we're going to go on to the next question here. Um, this is a this is a deeper question, and you guys can, can 
you know, maybe we can take some of the people who have yet to answer, but um, what do you do as a couple to be able to better trust one another? What do you do or don't do as a couple to be able to better trust one another, to build trust? Mm. Crickets. What do you do or not do to be able to trust one another? Sleeps in the same bed. <laughs> Bobby says she sleeps in the same bed as Eddie. Works out. Um, well, I've never not trusted Bobby. He's mm -hmm. never given me any reason whatsoever to not put complete trust in him. So I don't know how to answer that question. Mm -hmm. I guess trust grows. Um, but. Yeah, I, I think you have to, trust has to be a, a growing thing, you know. I mean, you can't meet somebody and all of a sudden trust them. So you've got to get to know them um, before you can develop that trust. And then their, their actions then will determine whether or not you're, you, how, how deep your trust is in them, so. Uh. We'll take another, another answer to that question and we'll move on. Miss Agnes. Um, I was raised in a family that there wasn't much good example or trust. So it took me a long time to be able to trust Robin. Mm. But it's been worth it. <laughs> <laughs> so it seems like time is key and time and, just, and, and growing that and cultivating that trust. Um, here's another question for you guys. Um, what was the hardest storm or difficulty or challenge you and your spouse had to endure, and how did you endure it? Okay. In 2016, Mike wasn't very good. Then he said, I've got to go. So we went to um, at the ER, and then they sent us to the hospital. And uh, come to find out, he had a 22-pound not malignant tumor on his right lung. So his lung died, and the 22-pound came out. And um, I had to work through that. Um, we went to the hospital every day for a while. And then after a while, it was four years before the wound was healed. So, you know, I worked through that. I was a nurse at the end of the time, so that was probably... Pretty dramatic. Yeah. yeah. Anybody else want to share your hardest storm or biggest difficulty as a couple? Carol, you want to go? I think we had several times, but I, I think the hardest was when he got cancer again, and then we found out he had Alzheimer's. And he, I, I would talk to him, and he would say he told me things that he really didn't, and he would say that I hadn't told him things that I had, and wanting to work on, Lord, what would you have me do? What would you not have me do? And one of the things the Lord told me is love him, love him. And if he repeats things all over again, it's all right. It's the first time he said it to him. And um, that has a bad part, but it also has a good part. The good part was that Lindsay started telling me maybe even six or seven times a day as he was going down the hill with the Alzheimer's, I love you, Carol. And he would come up behind me and give me a big hug and say, I love you, and his whole face would light up. So there's good and there's bad in every struggle that you have. Look for the good and ask God, what would you have me do and what would you not have me do? Mm, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Howard, did you have something to add? Well, I was just going to say, you know, uh, Jack and I have been married uh, 58 years one week from today, the 31st. Uh, so, you know, there, there's always storms. Mm -hmm. So you've just got to be able to work them out. You know, you don't just uh, 
turn the person away or, you know, you, you don't kick them out. Uh, you know, if, if you've been together a long time, then you just got to, to work it out. Uh, and that's just the way we were raised, you know, that uh, you, once you make the commitment, unless there's some drastic changes in one or the other, you know, because uh, we, we all have our own idiosyncrasies, you know, we like it, we dislike it, so, you know, that's just part of being together, staying together, so. Mm -hmm. Jackie? <clears throat> like Howard said, we've had quite a few years to have a lot of different storms, but probably just taking care of parents over a lot of years. Um, we spend a lot of time every weekend going and taking care of either his parents or our parents ongoing for, I don't know, five, six, seven, I don't know, it was a lot of years. Well, anyway, so it was really a big commitment to get in the car together every weekend. <clears throat> but we supported each other and our parents and um, I thought it was a great example <clears throat> for our daughter uh, to know how to honor her parents and so I thought living that out was a good example and uh, so maybe she'll learn how to take care of us. <laughs> yeah, and I'll say um, to embarrass Jean who's in the room, my father-in-law, um, when his mother was aging, Alma, uh, she was you know, her health was declining and I watched him. You know, I always lived away from my grandparents, so I didn't really see my parents interact too much until my, you know, my mom's parents eventually. But seeing Gene care for his mother and really honor his mother in her last days and going over and doing things in the house and spending time with her, or getting her a new bed and just really spending a lot of his free time when he could be out playing golf, which <laughs> I can't picture you playing golf anyways, but doing things that he would want to do. Uh, he spent it honoring his mother and that was a really good example like you were talking about Jackie it was such a profound example for me knowing oh this is what it looks like to honor your mother and in, in her last days you know her la last months of her life so um, does anybody else have anything they want to add about yeah. yeah I think like everybody said the, the hardest time to go through is in marriages is is with sickness hmm. I know uh, Karen and I were in our late 30s and uh, we had gone on vacation one year and uh, Karen got sick and I went to wake her up in the morning and she couldn't get out of bed. She had no energy to get out of bed and she had gone into diabetic coma mm. over the night and then we spent the next three to four months with her in the hospital and taking care of her and uh, until you've been in that place, until you, you stand in those corridors with the doctors and stuff and they tell you those those horror stories that uh, she's not going to go home, she's mm. not going to get better, and you just really have to stand in there and, and pray and believe. And uh, I, I think in all of that stuff, uh, Karen and I have always been married. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I don't remember a time when we wasn't married, and we, we were talking earlier about uh, how did you know, and I, I can tell you guys, uh, you see all these TV things in these movies, but those lightning bolts, they actually go off when you find that right. <laughs> but I, I think the hardest thing that you go through is sickness and recovering for sickness, from sickness and stuff. But uh, you, you learn a greater appreciation for each other. Yeah. And I, I think the person that actually has to do the taking care of yes. learns the most appreciation. And that's hard to believe that that in that struggle that that happens, but it really does. You mm -hmm. learn that appreciation. Yeah, there was one of the email updates that Ariana sent out talking about Adrian in the situation there at Shepherd Center. And um, one of my favorite ones that she sent out was coming to really admire Adrian, and she said through helping him and caring for him and being with him and watching his demeanor and his lack of of negativity and complaining. She's like, I've just really come to admire him in all of our years of marriage on a whole different level. And I was like, man, I can't, I can't really relate to that because I've never been through a challenge like that. But um, it's interesting how storms that we've been through, um, they drive us closer together. 
if we don't allow them to drive us apart. And you learn to love your spouse in a different way, on a different level. And um, it's really neat. I've got a question. I'm going to ask this question directed towards the man holding the microphone who is yet to speak at all in the middle. And I want him to describe to me, if possible, his first date with Agnes. And if it went, if it went great or if it... <laughs> So describe to me your first date with Agnes and how that went. Um, if I remember right, <laughs> we went out to eat. Yeah. Yeah, put the microphone nice and close. Put it nice and close. And she go. Uh, made a comment later that, uh, you know, I thought we were supposed to be talking and reading. And I've always liked my food hot. So I put my head down. And I don't look up much until I'm done. And uh, she always makes a comment about that. Well. I make sure I talk to her once in a while now. Yeah, yeah. But, so you're saying your first date, you wanted, you wanted to eat your food while it was hot. Yeah. And so you, you waited until after you finished eating to start talking to her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you've learned now that you should talk to her every now and then. Yeah, yeah. Between bites, right? Very good. Very good. You, you can't ignore her, so. Yeah. Very good. I, I think that all these guys that are thinking about getting married, you're going to find out that Eating and food is one of your worst difficulties in life. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, these ladies never know where they want to go eat at. <laughs> Any place is all right with them. <laughs> yeah. Mike, did you have something to add? Yeah, about food. <laughs> when I would come to, I would travel from Delta, Colorado to Fort Collins, where Edith lived, to do the jail ministry. She invited me to lunch. And at her apartment, and she had made potato soup. The next time, it was tuna and fish sandwiches. After we got married, she mixed, made potato soup, and I told her I didn't like potato soup. She says, well, why didn't you tell me you came and ate it? She says, well, you know, that wasn't the time to tell you. <laughs> After you went to all that work, but the old saying, wait till man's heart is through his stomach, don't always work. It was just the fact that we had that commonality and uh, was, you know, looking beyond how good or bad she may cook. She cooks good, by the way. I, but yeah, it wasn't the potato soup that won my heart over. I can tell you that. Or the tuna fish sandwich. And I still don't like it today. So this question came from about three different people. A variation of the same question basically is, uh, what is what was your biggest argument or how do you avoid arguments or when you get into one how do you resolve them as a couple my experience is to be quiet <laughs> uh, I think he, a man needs to apologize to his wife whether it's his fault or not and you got to remember that guys you can either be right or you can be happy yeah, and uh, a man told me one time that a woman is meant to be married to a man to keep him humble. And uh, my wife does all right with that. I notice all the men are answering the question, and they're probably all going to reap the benefits of that later in driving, oh, well, how did you answer that question that way? Why did you get him talking? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's loosened up now, huh? Anybody else? What was your biggest argument, or how do you avoid arguments? How do you resolve conflict? Well, I think, I don't know that we had one big argument. We've had lots of them. <laughs> but over the years, um, you just get over it. That's the main thing um, that we've learned. I know my daughter worked with us, um, some at our store, and working together and living together is, uh, been doing it probably 30 years or whatever, is difficult. Um, so we have disagreements, but she saw in our working together we could be so mad at each other, but you get over it, you know. Mm. And that's the main thing. One or the other of you, I guess, softens and, you know, or sometimes just a little space, like getting in the car and driving off for a few minutes and coming back, you have a different perspective. So um, I think that's the thing is just you do have to get over it. Don't hold grudges or, or don't bring it up over and over about things. Mm. So don't keep that filing cabinet of all those past offenses and bringing them up and reminding how your spouse did that or you know, 
Carol, did you have something to add? And make sure your microphone is clicked on. Bob, you want to help her out? Turn that, turn that button on there. Okay, start over because we didn't hear you. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, we both had children. I have one son and he had four children. And children have a problem when you get married because their family's not the way it was. Mm. And so we had to work through some of those things. Uh, one of the biggest things I think is don't, the Bible talks about it, don't go to bed angry. Mm. Don't mm. let the sun go down on your anger. If you gotta stay up till one or two o'clock in the morning, do that because if you don't, the devil has all night long to play with both your minds. Mm. I think that's a big thing right there. That's a very good principle to apply in your marriage. Yeah, don't let the sun go down in your anger. Don't let yourself go to sleep angry at each other. Because, yeah, that's, it's very important you resolve it. Because otherwise, if you don't, you wake up in the morning, you're kind of like, you just go about your day, you need to go to work or whatever, and just get swept under the rug. But over time, you, you, you bottle those things up, and that conflict never gets resolved, or that offense never gets addressed. That pattern of behavior or speech never gets dealt with. And... Yeah, it just kind of it kind of compounds and compounds and snowballs over time. It's important, I think, to clear that. I guess you could call it a a, a cue of conflict out each day, and make sure, hey, let's address this, let's work through this. And um, if there's a pattern of speech or behavior that's causing conflict or miscommunications, let's let's air that out and let's work through that each and every day, so that they don't compound and build up over time. It's a very good principle to apply. Anybody else have anything to add about arguments, how you navigate them, how you avoid them? Okay. Avoid, yeah. Aaron says avoid. And that's the essence, yeah. Yes, ma'am. Could we get you up here with a microphone so we can all hear you? Yeah, there's a place right here for you to sit, actually. Oh, uh, that's okay. That's okay. Thank you. We'll give you a microphone so everybody can hear you. And just hold it nice and close to your mouth so we can all. Not long after we had been married, um, we married in, in July, uh, in June, June the 25th, and in Oklahoma City. Bethany, a suburb of Oklahoma City. And I moved with Lawrence back to Dothan, Alabama in August. Well, not long, I don't know how long it was, but not long after I'd married. I don't know what the argument was about, or I don't even know that we had an argument. He did something or said something that I just thought, you know, wow, I don't know whether I want to continue this or not. And I went in the backyard and I was crying and praying. And, um, Finally, the thought came to me, or the Lord put it in my head, probably. You can either pout, or you can keep your vows. Hmm. That's powerful. How many of you couples sitting here, would you say, had at least one other couple that were instrumental at some point in your marriage in supporting your marriage and encouraging your marriage and help holding it together. Can you raise your hand if you had a couple like that and you're maybe a pastor or like in other words, you didn't go it alone. You had you had friends that were married or um, parents or in-laws. Anybody? Really? Wow. Pretty much went it alone. Interesting. Interesting. Right, right, right. Very interesting, very interesting. Um, this question is, uh, I'm going to ask the husbands, if, if you're able to, if you want to answer this, I'm going to give this one towards the husbands. Um, what is your favorite quality of your spouse, of your wife? 
the favorite quality of your wife? For me, it's Edith's boldness mm. to share her faith with others. Mm. I mean, that's is my yeah. greatest quality. Very good. And her and her love for me, of course, but her faithfulness because of uh, uh, treating me through those years of uh, the medical stuff. Yeah. And her consistency, and you know, it's through those storms we also begin to build that trust. That's where a lot of the trust comes from, is weathering through the storms and working through the arguments. Anybody else? Any other husbands want to answer that favorite quality of your wife? My wife doesn't get down very much. I don't know if I've known her to get really down. Even though she's had a lot of physical trouble, had a, a tough childhood, and at a lot of different times, and I think she's going to survive, but doesn't get her down because of her faith. Mm. And she's good to people. To her positivity through trials. I think in Karen, I, I like the fact that she is. Uh, she questions things that I do. She wants. She wants me to explain why I'm doing, and and why we why we need this. But I. That, that's a good that you have somebody that checks you on that. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, uh, you can ask the kids and or anybody. I'm, I'm, I'm quick to speak without thinking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't agree with that. <laughs> and, and I'm quick to make decisions without putting a lot of thought into them. But Karen always is there as a, a good check and a good balance in my life. Hmm. That's probably her redeeming quality. Marvin, did you have something to add? About yes, she's been a good mother to my son, mm. and she gave up her career to be with me, and uh, and she's always uh, keeping me straight. If it wasn't yeah. for her, you it's a would big probably, job. Yes, yeah, a big job. And plus, I'm not the easiest person to live with. Yeah. And the way she's embraced the messianic faith, mm. and the way she's willing to learn Hebrew, she's that she's one of Phil's best students. Uh -huh. She has to, I have to ask her questions sometimes. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. Uh -huh. Very good. Very yeah, good. and uh, yeah, she'll be teaching about the biblical Hebrew. <laughs> yeah, very good. And the way she's learned the English language, she didn't know hardly two words of the English wow. when we first met. Wow. And I, I should have tried the Korean, but it's just, uh, I just can't position my mouth to say some of the words. Yeah. Hebrew's a lot easier. I think of all the wedding photos that we had up there. I think Marvin and Kim here were one of my favorite. Just, they they changed so little. I mean, immediately you could identify them. It's funny. Yeah. So anybody else have? Uh, let's go to the, the wives now. What is the, your favorite quality of your husband? Your favorite quality of your husband. <laughs> Jackie's taking the microphone. Favorite quality of your husband. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're digging deep here. Digging deep. Taking too long. Well, it's favor. Maybe we have lots. Yeah, but it's hard to pick one, right? It's hard to pick one. Well, I think it's just uh, Howard's faithfulness and consistency uh, and good common sense. And, you know, we sometimes I'm bouncing all over the place, and he's always very solid and stable and through all these years. And, uh, I appreciate that. Um, so I think we've been good for each other, complimenting each other, our personalities. Mm. So like his, his grounding quality. Interesting. Mr. Steady. Could you say the question? Yes. Your favorite quality of your husband. Okay. Um, like I said, I met Mike when he was teaching um, the Word of God and um, the that's what I see in him. That's the, the best quality. He studies a lot. He uh, meditates a lot. He doesn't speak out without thinking. He uh, thinks over what he's going to say to me and other people. He's uh, quiet sometimes. Actually, he loves to just watch everybody. So if you ever just see him standing up by the wall, he's watching you. <laughs> That's funny. Anybody else? Thank you for sharing. I will. Um, Go ahead. My favorite quality about Lindsay, what attracted me to him before I really even knew him, was how much he loved people. Uh, his church, he loved the people in the church. And I was with him 
or two different churches that he was in. You could call him at 3 o'clock in the morning and tell him that you needed to see him and where you needed to see him. And the two of us would be getting up and getting dressed and going wherever that was. You, you didn't make an appointment with him. You just called him when you need him and he came. He loved his people. Mm. That made a big impression with me. We'll go uh, Agnes and then Karen. Go ahead. <laughs> the best quality about Robin has been we're two different, uh, from two different cultures. And he's been patient. I've tried to be patient. <laughs> um, he's been a loving father, very loving father. Our kids, all seven of them, seem to be doing okay. And with God's, seem help, to be. Yeah. with God's help, <laughs> and I appreciate it that we yeah. can just come together as a family and he lead us in prayer. And mm. It's a good time. Excellent. Karen. Uh, Bobby has always been uh, faithful and just an excellent provider and father. He took care of us and um, I've never had to work outside the home. I've never had to worry about finances. He's always provided and took care of us and just been there for us. He's very faithful to take care of his kids still and his grandkids. And um, I would like to address the thing about argument, though, for just one moment. Sure. You do not win an argument with a Coleman. <laughs> ever, ever, ever. Just meet my kids. Mm. That is the truth. I want to argue with that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to talk to the young people in the room that are yet to be married. Notice all we took turns, husbands and wives said the thing that they like most about their spouse and the quality that they appreciate most. What did you not hear? What did you not hear? Huh? What they didn't like, but what did they, what, what, I guess, of all the things they said they liked, none of them were things like, he's got big muscles, he drives a really nice truck, or she, she's beautiful even without makeup, right? Even though all those things are probably true with these people. But notice they all said qualities and characteristics that are non-physical. Now, there probably was physical attraction between these people when they first met. But as my dad would say, at some point, we all get fat and ugly. That's <laughs> true. Marry someone who has the qualities that attract you that are non-physical qualities. Someone like, I heard someone say, he's been a good father. He prays with his family. He's been a provider. Or she has always counseled me when I need counsel and correction. I appreciate his boldness for his faith, her boldness for her faith. You hear all those things? And young people in the room, physical attraction is not bad. But that's not what's going to get you in a place in one of these chairs up here where 58 years later, you're still in love with each other. It's those things that are, that are non-physical qualities. Those things that are of, of God. Things that, that are, are character, right? So, we're going to do this. I want to take five minutes, and let's take three questions in five minutes from the crowd. And whoever wants to answer those three questions, just feel free to chime in. We're going to try to keep it pretty quick, and then we'll wrap up for the day. But does anyone in the crowd have any questions for the people sitting up in front of the room? Any questions? Brian? I've got more of a comment. Uh, kind of reminds me uh, what you just said about quality. Uh, reminds me of Phil and they sit down beside each other and say, do you love me? And mm. they start going through all the things that they do for each other. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I guess I do. Wow. Yeah, the, the concept of love, ahava, the biblical love, it really is connected to the physical act of giving. You can't, you can't ahava someone and not be giving to them. And um, so I'm sure there's been lots of giving between these people. 
Um, but that is the true mark of if you're in, an, in a relationship with someone and all they're doing is taking, and they're just taking and taking and taking emotionally, physically, whatever, and they're just needy, they don't love you. They love themselves. They love that attention. Look for someone who will give to you, right? Look for that. That's true biblical love. So does anyone have anything to add about Brian's comment? Okay. Does anybody else have a question or comment you want to ask of these folks up here? Yeah, Anna. One piece of advice you would give all the young people in this room. No pressure. Miss Edith. Pray. 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 Very good. Anybody else have anything? Mike? Don't try to change each other. Mm. You know, because that seems to be the thing with most married couples, and that's one of the arguments is they try to change each other. You love them. That's why you married them. Why do you want to change them? Let God take care of that. Yeah. Mm. I'd like to add to that. Mike and I got married, and we get in the car, and we start out, and not within five miles, Mike said, if you want me to change, tell God. Mm. Five minutes later. <laughs> yeah, I had lunch with him like this week, and he said the same thing. He's like, I told you that if you want to change me, you have to talk to God, and he, he'll, change, he'll convict me of yeah. that. That's and I said, you got to talk. Because, mm. you know, people don't always talk. Yeah, they yeah. just hold it in, and um, I want to know why he has those feelings. You've got to mm. talk. Yeah, very good. Communication, vulnerability, and trust. Yeah, it's so important. Anybody else have anything they want to add, Karen? I just had a, a, a comment because I asked a friend of mine who's seen a really successful for those who couldn't really hear um, basically what she's saying is that um, you know she has a friend who was in ministry and she said if if before we made a decision or if I had a desire to do something or go somewhere and he did not then she would pray this friend would pray right and then you started um, picking up on that as well you either change me or change him and, and it didn't become this point of conflict where they're trying to change each other so, is that That's a long time process. It's mm. a lifelong process. A lifelong process, yeah, I imagine. And Jackie and Howard have been married 54 years, so we're babe at 45 compared to them. Yeah, 50, <laughs> so, 50, 58, right? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, we've been married 45, so we still got a long way to go. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for chiming in. Anybody, let's take one more question. Nicholas. You're talking agreeing on like doctrine and theology and what you believe about God? Just, yeah, things that you've become point of conflict in ministry, yeah. um, uh, doctrinal stuff, politics, just things like that. Is it in both the line or is it in So, I'm going to repeat your question so those, for those who couldn't hear. Basically, he's asking, did God put, did God bring someone into your path? Did, did your spouse, did they align with you and were they, were they, were they complete in, in complete agreement with you doctrinally about what to believe about God, what to believe about Scripture, how to interpret it, politics, and your views on that, or did He put someone in your path that was compatible with you? Did I, did I effectively um, repeat that? Okay, but go ahead, anybody. Okay, um, so Mike and I were both believers in Jesus, and um, this is kind of in, anyway. 
we learned about the Torah through an inmate in prison. Mm -hmm. And so when we decided to go, Rabbi Messer and Denver said, I want to send my material with you. So we took a lot of material to Uganda, which is still being used today. So we learned this together, mm -hmm. the Torah. And um, Interesting. It was just a compatibility yeah, thing. Yeah. Like, so. Jackie, did you have something to add? Well, Howard and I got so mar married so young that uh, we went and we were both raised Methodist, which was a, you know, common. Yeah, forgive us for that. <laughs> <laughs> so we had that similar background, uh, but we moved away and uh, did a lot of, I would say, worldly things. You know, we just kind of got away from our faith. Um, it took uh, coming back to the South and having a child to understand the importance of getting back into church. Mm -hmm. um, and that was something we enjoyed, you know, for a lot of years. Um, but this journey has been interesting um, because we were at different places for a lot of years. And so um, I think there again, you just have to be faithful and continue. That's how I felt with my journey and Howard followed along and we had a lot of really good years of studying together. Um, I think I spent a lot of time studying for probably seven or eight or nine years and then I decided that maybe I needed some fruit from all that studying so probably don't study as much now but um, we're going to have a lot of uh, conversations because we're not compatible on a lot of issues so we have it's almost like the devil's advocate. You know, one person takes the other opinion, and so you have, you know, if you agree on everything, it's not interesting. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have to uh, uh, let Jackie think she's winning a lot of the time, you know. So, uh, disagreement uh, can be silent, you know. Uh, you don't have to have a a voiceful uh, conversation, you know, uh, in negative uh, ways. So, uh, and the the idea of doctrine, politics, etc., that was not in the picture at all when we were 19 years old. You know, that was nowhere to be found. So, a lot of years and growth. You know, a lot of years and growth. Yeah. Anybody else um, Bobby's always been the spiritual brick, I guess, in our family. But, however, he does listen to me when I, when I want to talk about it or whatever. He's been very patient to give me time to come around to whatever he's trying to uh, teach us or instruct us in. So um, I really appreciate that because it takes me a long time. Mm. It takes me a long time to um, adjust or I need the time to think mm. on things. And process, yeah. Process, yeah. yeah. Karen, I think I fall in exactly the same category as what you're talking about there. Jackie does a lot more studying than I do. Uh, and so when, when she initially started on this journey, uh, I, I had difficulties wanting to know why she wanted to become Jewish. <laughs> you know, so it, it took a while, but uh, she, can, she, she brought me around, you know, by, by teaching and, and sharing. So, yeah. All right, Bobby? But I, I think it's crucial as, as young people, and I think that's kind of what we're talking about here as young people, but that you not only marry, but the people that you're friends with, that they be of the same faith as you are. If you read through the all of the Torah, through the Old Testament of the Bible, there's continual emphasis that they don't go outside the Jewish faith. Mm. They seek people inside the, the faith they belong to. So whoever you marry, you're, you're not going to change them. Mm -hmm. that's, that's not going to happen. Like, No, it's not your job, but it's not going to happen. So you want to find somebody as a friend, 
as a long-term friend, as a, a marriage partner that's going to believe the same way you believe. Hmm. I don't encourage any of the kids or, or anybody I ever talk to to go outside their faith to look for somebody. And and don't don't worry so much about it. You know, God's got somebody out there for you. He's got a plan for all of us. And He's going to put those people in your life. And it, it's going to happen. It may not happen today. But sometimes we try to hurry God up a little bit and we go and find somebody that's not what he had planned for us. And it ends up being a lot of uh, misery and mistakes for everybody. But it's not going to be just you that's going to suffer for that over the years. It's going to be generations of people that's going to suffer for that. Uh, so find somebody that believes like you do. That looks at this, this faith that you walk in the same way you do. And, and live by that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to try and address your question. I may get it wrong. And I, I've heard some really good things. My opinion is when God told me I was going to get married the second time, one of the things he put on my heart is don't look. It's not your job. I will choose who will complete you and who you will complete and he will not have you unequally yoked so let go and let god <laughs> well guys i saw other hands up a moment a moment ago but these folks are here all the time so if you have questions for them go to them call them uh, invite them over to your home for dinner and pick their brains they are a resource to me and to you and so use that resource, and they'd be honored in that, I'm sure. But can we give a round of applause for our, our panel here today? And uh, you guys are welcome to have a seat. Thank you so much for participating. And I will say, uh, you know, last week I taught on the who, what, when, where, and why of marriage. And next week I will teach on the how. I'm reserving an entire week. Entire service for how to get married, how marriage. 